What is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. This is episode 60, goodness gracious, of my little hockey show where I go through all of the teams in the NHL talking about the news and and predictions and, and just, you know, hockey stuff, mainly focusing on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames. But like I said, I could talk about any of the teams. So what are we talking about this week? Well, we got a legend out of Boston retiring from the NHL. I The day has finally come, finally, and um, we're going to talk about that. I want to look at some potential breakthrough candidates for this upcoming season. Of course, we're going to be taking a look at some of the big signings that happened over the last week. So let's just dive into this. So the first thing I feel we need to talk about is Patrice Bergeron has announced his retirement. So, wow, one of the, I I don't know if he's the last one. He's definitely one of the last ones from the 2003 draft, that legendary draft. And a legendary Boston Bruin, for sure, one of the greatest two-way forwards in the game, almost right out of the gate with Patrice Bergeron. He was really strong defensively. It took him a little bit to get that offensive uh, gear set rolling, but man, once he got going, very, very consistent player. Definitely dealt with a lot of injuries. He didn't have all that many uh, full 82-game seasons. He had a lot of injuries, but he would always come back. Very, very tough player, man. Like, Not necessarily in there getting into the scrums and throwing punches and stuff, but I think we've all heard about him playing through the punctured lung in the the playoffs that year. That was absolutely bananas. I mean, the dude is a warrior. He is a Stanley Cup champion in 2011. Got to the Stanley Cup Finals a few more times after that. Wasn't quite able to uh, pull the trigger again with the Boston Bruins. But at least he got that one cup. And, geez, I think he's a four-time Selkie winner. He's been nominated virtually every single year for the last decade plus. And rightfully so. He's always been so very, very good defensively. Incredible in the face-off dot. Arguably... He's been probably the best face-off man for, again, the last decade or so. He's always been so damn consistent in the face-off dot. And uh, an absolute leaf killer. (laughs) Oh my god, dude. Every time there was a moment that the Boston Bruins needed to put away the Toronto Maple Leafs, nine times out of ten, it's Patrice Bergeron putting that final nail in the coffin. We all remember the, what is it, the 2013-14 Game 7, Patrice Bergeron puts that fucking goal away in overtime. James Reimer swimming on his tummy. Oh my goodness. But honestly, the whole entire time that Bergeron played, I never hated him. Even though he would always be the guy that killed the Leafs and ended their their hopes and dreams and all that stuff. Uh, I couldn't help but always respect the player. He's a gentlemanly player, even like... Playing for Boston, considering that he played for the Bruins his whole entire career. And he really not never got into any controversies on the ice. He was never... I would never call him a dirty player. He was never whacking at people. Never, He was just a very clean player. Just very respectful. Very cute with his little French accent aigu. But, I mean, yeah, man. I've always respected Bergeron as a player, as a human major leader for the for the Bruins taking over for Chara. I mean, those are big 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 shoes to fill obviously with Chara being a 6 foot 9 person, but also one of the best Bruins captains in their history led them to the Stanley Cup and whatnot and I mean, 
yeah, he filled in that role very, very well. Who is going to be the captain next for the for the Boston Bruins? Are they just going to let it ease out? Maybe I don't know if, I mean, Bert, I mean, Marchant has definitely calmed down quite a bit uh, in terms of all that stuff, and he's become quite a good leader. He could potentially be the next captain. It could be McAvoy, M- McAvoy, whatever you want to call him. I could see that working out, but it I don't think that really matters right now. I don't think that's what's on the mind. Well, it might be on their minds, the Bruins fans. You let me know. Who do you think should be the next captain of the Boston Bruins? And how are you feeling about Bergeron leaving? I mean, obviously, that's got to be extremely sad, but... I mean, what a banger of a career. I mean, one of the better picks in that 03 draft. I believe he was in the second round. He might have been a third round pick, but one of the best out of that draft and one of the greatest drafts of all time. So that's that's saying a lot. And I feel he will be a first ballot Hall of Fame. We'll find that out in four years uh, when he becomes eligible to enter that uh, that draft. But I th- or uh, that class, not draft. But I think it's safe to say, even though he didn't have like the most eye-appealing, like, goal totals and assist numbers and, like, total points. Uh, They're all good, like, very good goal totals, very good assist numbers. I should probably just pull up, like, his numbers and stuff, but with his winning nature and how consistent he was, his defensive abilities, how many selkies he won and... and uh, what do you call it? All-star teams he was probably on and all that great stuff. I'm just going to pull up his stats and stuff. Okay, so Patrice Bergeron, 1,294 games. He had 19 NHL seasons, 427 goals, 613 assists, 1,040 points. And does that have his... Uh, I think these are his playoff stats, right? No. Oh, well, hold on. Hold on. Postseason stats. Let's just pull those up. 170 games, 50 goals, 78 assists, 128 points, plus 42. If people care about the plus minus stuff, how was he career plus minus 289? I mean, yeah, the dude was a stud. He wasn't like point a game, but again, his defensive abilities and oh my God, just his consistency. Good all the way down to his final season with 27 goals, 58 points in 78 games, but only, I mean, he had three years there where he was playing pretty healthy from 13 till about 16. He was staying pretty healthy there. Uh, his highest goals, I think, was 32. He had quite a handful of 30-goal seasons, mostly a 60-point kind of guy. Uh, he had a handful of 70-point seasons, but oh my goodness. Patrice Bergeron, man, the guy is an absolute legend and one hell of a career. Congratulations, Patrice Bergeron. Enjoy retirement, and I highly doubt this is the last we're going to see out of Patrice Bergeron. He'll more than likely uh, be in some sort of role with the Bruins. Maybe one day we see him as a coach. Maybe he becomes a GM or any of that kind of stuff. He's got a great mind for the game, so I, I doubt this is the last you're going to see at Patrice Bergeron, but hopefully he takes just a little bit of a break, you know, enjoy a little bit of that retirement. So that is big for Patrice Bergeron. Four years, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. You know it. It's going it's to be happening. So what else has been going on around the league? Uh, Dallas extends GM Jim Nill for two years. I mean, yeah, Dallas has been kind of a wagon for the last little bit of uh, last handful of years. Looks like they're really poised for a big year this season. They got Duchesne coming in. They looked great last year. They're a wagon, man. They're a very, very strong team. So well done for Jim Nill. Should be a good couple years for the Dallas Stars right there. 
Speaking of a good couple of years, there might be a good couple of years incoming for the Coyotes because their prospect, Logan Cooley, is considering signing with them, just just possibly considering signing with them and possibly playing with the team this season. So not that long ago, he came out and said that he had really no interest in signing with the team right now, and he was just going to play in college and just enjoy that, have a good time, uh, do some book learning and all that great stuff. Be a college student, but... Now that the Coyotes appear to kind of have their shit together, I mean, I'm not saying that they have it all together just yet. There's still a lot of work to be done. But they have come out and said that they want to be a lot more competitive this year. Clayton Keller, he's unbelievable. They got a lot of young players coming in. They uh, Their draft, you know, it didn't really look that great on paper so far, but it's way too early to tell. But they got a lot of young players coming in. I know that their arena situation is still just banana sandwich, but they could definitely use a young Logan Cooley into that lineup. It could be really fun for him. So maybe if they add in a couple more pieces, they do something else, convince Logan Cooley that, hey, we got... Uh, Some things coming on here. We could really use your help. We're looking to start getting out of this rebuild and try and work our way into a playoff spot. I doubt they're going to be there this season, but I would expect they're going to be a lot more competitive than they were last season. So if they add in Logan Cooley, it's not going to take him over the top and get him into the playoffs. But, I mean, to get him into the system now... Get him maybe hooked up with Clayton Keller or somebody. I don't know. That top line in Arizona last year, I think it was Barrett Hayton, Clayton Keller, and Schmaltz. That line was fucking, wow, really, really good. So I don't know if they're going to touch that, if they can work, uh, get that magic together that they had last season. That's going to be really good. They have a great top line right there as long as that uh, magic continues. But they got to build out the other three lines, and that defense is a little good, but they they've added, so... And then they have Vimelka. So, again, it's uh, a little bit more positive news coming out of Arizona lately. But, uh, yeah, still looking for an arena, that's for sure. Speaking of, that's for sure. It appears that it is for sure that the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be keeping Matt Murray on long-term injured reserve. So, uh, I doesn't look like he's going to be playing, which, I mean, is kind of upsetting. He's a 29-year-old goaltender. I really don't. I think people are really, really hard on him. I think he's a decent goaltender. It's not his fault he's making a shitload of money. If he was making, like, $1.5 or $2 million, I feel like people would be a lot more accepting of him. There's a lot worse goaltenders in the league playing and have subpar 900 save percentages. And Matt Murray, I think, had a 903 last year, which, again, isn't eye-popping, but it's not not like so bad that people should be kicking him out of the league or anything but there's a lot of this weird talk going around with the Leafs lately with buyouts uh definitely around Matt Murray I mean the Matt Murray buyout thing has been in conversation pretty much since the the end of the season uh everyone was like oh we got to buy out Matt Murray and all this stuff and the other name that keeps popping up is TJ Brody and the potential of if if the Leafs buy out TJ Brody and Matt Murray, they could free up $9 million of cap space for this season. But, like, I understand that Brody is getting older, but he was one of the most effective defensemen that they had in the playoffs. He's been one of the most consistently good defensive defensemen. Uh, Though he's not big and physical and stuff like that, he has a great active defensive stick. He's very good at breaking up the two-on-ones, which uh, the Leafs love giving up, so... 
But I don't know. It seems like people have just fallen off of a cliff with TJ Brody. I don't know what has happened. I'm still a big fan of him. I think he's fantastic. And But if there is potential that if we could replace a TJ Brody with a Brett Pesci from Carolina, I am all about trying to snag up Brett Pesci from Carolina. He doesn't... They don't appear... Well, now... Oh, no. Now it's up in the air, right? So Tony D'Angelo has re-signed with the... Carolina Hurricanes so that kind of puts in uh, a little bit of a stick in the wheel of the Eric Carlson situation which we'll get into in a minute but now that Carolina appears to be out of the Eric Carlson game does that mean they're going to be able to keep Brett Pesci are they still wanting to move him does he still want to be moved regardless if it's a yes on any of those I if I was Living, I would be all over that player. I think, uh, without a doubt, that is a pretty hefty upgrade over Brody. He's younger. I would say that uh, Pesci is a much better defensive defenseman, though Brody is quite good. Um, he doesn't bring a lot offensively, but um, or not all that much physically and all that stuff, but he is so strong defensively. Um, I don't know if like, the Carolina system makes him look a lot better uh, with their system, and if he comes over to Toronto, it I don't think he would be a disaster or anything, but he may not be as uh, great as he looked in Carolina. Regardless, that's like the main defenseman that is out there uh, that I heard is on the market and stuff that I would be eyeing up. He's very good defensively, so that's the guy I would want. Though the Leafs appear to still be in the Eric Carlson talks, I just I really don't want it to happen I was talking to a friend at work the other day and he's all about bringing bringing in Eric Carlson I'm like no 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 I, I just don't see that working man like he's just he's got zero defensive abilities I mean yeah the Leafs could use a little bit of extra offense which is kind of weird to say but it's true I mean if if the top lines get shut down they really uh, don't have much other offensive options, so if they can bring in a stalwart on the back end, uh, but then Morgan Riley and stuff, I just don't see a fit with Eric Carlson and the Leafs. That's just me. I mean, yeah, I mean, it'd be great to bring in a 100-point defenseman, but I truly just don't think it would be all that great. I mean, maybe a team like Edmonton, that could be good, but I don't know with the Leafs, man. I just don't know. They're The Leafs are kind of weird right now. Like, they were an offensive team and they've been kind of transitioning into a more defensive team but they're not like playing the trap or anything like that they're not all the way down there like the islanders or anything they're kind of in the in the mushy middle looking for an identity i think a player like pesci could really help uh kind of push them a little bit heavier onto the defense but i don't know that's a player that i'm just all about i would love for him to get in there i would much prefer pesci over eric carlson but interested to hear what you guys think about a trade like that could is there something out there that could work with that i i hope so because i feel like the eric carlson thing right now is really plugging up the league i feel like a lot of people are waiting to see what's going to happen with that but we could easily just see Eric Carlson playing another full season with the San Jose Sharks, and then they deal with it next offseason where uh, they could have you know more time to see if Eric Carlson, if he puts up another 85-plus point season this year, then, I mean, yeah, he, he'll still have very good value, and then the league is going to have a lot more money to play with next year with the cap going up. So maybe we don't see an Eric Carlson trade until next year. It appears that Carolina is out for now. And the only other teams that uh, appear to still be in it is 
The Leafs with a question mark, because I really don't hear anything other than speculation and rumors behind that one. So I, I, I'm not buying it. I don't want it, uh, first off. But the only other two teams that I could see it going with is the Pittsburgh Penguins or the Seattle Kraken. And the Kraken makes the most sense to me because A, they have the money to bring him in. That's kind of a crucial situation considering that the San Jose Sharks are so hell-bent on not retaining 40-plus percent, which I think in the end, they're they're going to be retaining 40%. If, if you're going to get this deal done with a decent return, you got to retain. There's really no reason for San Jose not to retain. They're not going to be competitive, I would imagine, over the next however long the rest of Carlson's contract is. I think four more years, but yeah, I don't think it's it would be really all that big of a deal for them to eat it, but... They're making a big stink about it, but I think at the end of the day, it's it's they're just going to eat it. But the Kraken have the money to do it. They have assets. They could use a top power play guy because they, they have some good defensemen back there, like uh, Vinny D, Vince Dunn, who signed his contract. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But they don't have that top power play guy, so an Eric Carlson would make a lot of sense to bring in for the Kraken. He doesn't have a lot of good defensive abilities, but they have other defensemen there that I think could uh, plug in that gap and be a good uh, pairing for Carlson. So I'm surprised uh, that people aren't more convinced that the Kraken are going to be there. And then Pittsburgh, again, kind of, I feel like a little bit with a question mark there too, because I just don't know how cap-wise they're going to make that work, or even asset-wise, what do they have to trade out there? I mean, they could potentially, I mean, they could send Granlin back. I just don't really know how that trade would work out. But, and even if you bring in Eric Carlson, I mean, Petrie is the one that everyone's talking about. He would have to go back. And, uh, I mean, yeah, you bring in Carlson, but then what What do you do with Latang? Latang has been, like, the number one beep guy forever, but, you know, when he goes down for injury, uh, someone's got to fill in. Eric Carlson would be, uh, you know, it'd be interesting. I honestly think that it's just not going to happen. I think they're just going to have to wait till next year, uh, whether Carlson likes that or not. But we'll see, man. It could happen right now. It could be happening right as I say these words out of my mouth right here, right now. But anyway, uh, in terms of other news, I think that is it. So we'll get into the signings that have happened over the last week or so. Uh, Last time we left off, uh, literally, of course, as it is with any podcast person that uploads podcasts, news comes out just as you upload it. So we had signings come out pretty much right after I finished recording. So we'll we'll start with uh, Noah Warren. He signs his entry-level deal with the Anaheim Ducks. 19-year-old defenseman, so congratulations. Got Brett Howden signing a two-year extension, $1.9 million per season with the Vegas Golden Knights, 25-year-old winger. I mean, yes, it's a solid deal. Uh, maybe a little bit of a discount there. I, I like that signing for Vegas. And speaking of signings that I like, the Winnipeg Jets uh, re-signed Gabriel Velarde, uh, one of the pieces added into the Dubois trade. He got two years. Oh my goodness, look at the numbers on this. 3.4375 mil per season. I love that. 23 years old, so basically a bridge deal here. And I think it's going to be basically a show-me contract. Like, you had a great... Uh, season last year with the LA Knights or LA Knights, LA Kings 
And let's see if he can do that here in Winnipeg with our guys. And as long as he can do what he did last season and build on that, because he definitely went definitely went through a little bit of the ups and downs, really hot at one moment, and then went ice cold. So if you can eliminate that, make a more consistent effort throughout the whole entire season, it's going to be really good, and he is going to get paid in a couple years. I like that signing. And then we got Seattle with their big one. You got Vinny D getting a four-year deal, $7.35 million per season, 26-year-old defenseman, and a really strong signing right here for the Kraken. I feel like it's right in and around the middle of what everybody was thinking. I feel more people were thinking he was going to do the eight-year deal, but I'm fine with four. That'll take him till he's 30. You're going to get the best years out of Vince Dunn on the Kraken during those four years where they're probably going to be their most competitive. And then after that, 30 years old, we'll see where they stand. But I like the four-year deal. I'm I'm more of a fan of the short-term deals, but uh, we'll see how this one works out for the Kraken. He had a great year last season and was even into the Norris conversation at times throughout the season. So a 7.35, that's a fantastic signing for the Kraken. Really, really good. And now we get to the Ilya Samsonov situation. So they did go to arbitration. I hope relationships and bridges weren't burned, but the arbitrator has finalized the deal and awarded Samsonov a one-year deal worth $3.55 million. So, bam, right in the middle. So there it is. Got the right in the middle. So the Leafs wanted three. Samsonov wanted five. Bam, $3.5 million, I feel like. Rather, both parties are going to be satisfied with that, or both parties are not going to be satisfied. And in in terms of business deals, that's that's when you know you did a pretty good job. When when both parties are on the same page, of rather being both happy or both upset. So hopefully that's how that went down. Haven't heard any comments or anything from Samsonov about the deal, but I think it's a very fair deal. I think the Leafs were undercutting him honestly, and I think Samsonov was over over doing it with how much he wanted so that one's done and then you have the other one with uh philip kurashev out of chicago i can't yeah so this one i believe also went to arbitration and this one uh fans aren't as happy with so he was awarded a two-year deal 2.25 million dollars per season so i feel like the Chicago fans feel like it's a bit of an overpayment, but considering what position they're in and they're throwing out $4 million deals for Felino and Corey Perry, this is fine. I, it's not going to do any damage at all over their two years. So it could be a really, really good signing for them. So who knows? And then we got the Tony, <clears throat> excuse me. We got the Tony D Tony D'Angelo signing at a Carolina one year, $1.675 million, an absolute, banger of a deal for them we know uh carolina knows what they're getting out of tony d he's been there before didn't work out at all in philadelphia they both kind of just said yeah this didn't work let's just uh break away from that tony's gonna go back to carolina where it worked out really good for him if he can put up 40 to 50 points or something like that uh, i doubt he's going to do that now that brett burns is there but who knows uh i think it's just a great signing for them you can't go wrong with that and then you got uh, Florida Panthers signing E2, Lusterinen, three years, $9 million, $3 million per season. I really like this player right here. I um, We'll talk about him a little bit later in those uh, potential breakouts. We're going to talk about uh, a little bit later, but this guy could have a big breakout year right here. I'm not expecting like 
him to jump up to like 70, 80 points or anything, but I think he only had like 30 or 40 points, but you could see him maybe going to 50, 55 points this season at $3 million per. This could be a very nice uh, contract, not very long, and he's probably going to get paid. Uh, I think it's safe to say he's going to get more than $3 million per season on his next deal, but good signing right here for the Florida Panthers. I like that. Some people are are calling him like the other Barkov. It's like they have Barkov and then they have uh, Lusterinen, who some people think is kind of like a Barkov light. So that's definitely a compliment in my books. Colorado signs Nikolai Kovalenko. So this is an interesting one. He is a, a younger player, 23 years old. He's been playing in the KHL for the last few seasons and one of the better young players over there. So Colorado snags him on an entry-level deal at $900,000 for the next two two years. So, yeah, if he can, uh, what do you call it, transition over to the NHL really well, that could be an absolute banger of a deal. But when it comes to KHL players, they're very hit and miss. There's some that come over and are fantastic. Like, I think Radulov came over, so on and so forth. But there's been a lot of them that have come over and just didn't do that well. There's, like, the Leafs used to do this Every single offseason, they bring in one or two guys from the KHL. I mean, Komarov came over. He was solid. And, I mean, uh, Soshnikov and guys like that came over. They were like, eh. So, we can see. We don't know yet until he comes over and we see him on NHL ice. But, we'll see. That could be a fantastic signing for the Colorado Avalanche. Philadelphia signs Alex Gendron to his entry-level deal. Congratulations. And the big one, we got Sebastian Ajo gets the eight-year deal from Carolina, $9.75 million per season, just under the $10 million, and a fucking fantastic signing. Just a slight upgrade over his last contract, which was a fantastic deal. Thank you very much, Montreal, for that one. If you forget, Montreal offer sheeted Sebastian Ajo to, I think it was 8.5. And Carolina couldn't have fucking qualified and tendered that offer faster. Like, thank you very much. That is a fantastic deal. We'll take that. Though he doesn't put up, like, 100-point seasons or anything, if he was on another more offensively driven kind of team, you would probably see 90 to 100 points out of Sebastian Ajo. But Carolina, they like to play a solid defensive game. Same thing with Savechnikov. You would probably see him putting up consistently 40, maybe even 50 goals if he was on a Edmonton Oilers or something like that. Same thing with Ajo, but a awesome deal. He's 26 right now, so right into that prime. It's going to take him till you know, he's probably coming out of that prime, but I don't think people are going to be complaining about the Sebastian Ajo deal right now, anyway, out of Carolina. So, yeah, really good job right there for Carolina. So let's talk about some of the potential breakout candidates for the upcoming season. I am going to be using information from the greatest hockey YouTube channel of all time, The Hockey Guy, who put out uh, 32 breakout candidates, one for each team. I'm not going to do every single player or uh, every every team, but I'm going to just kind of pick out the ones that intrigue me the most. So you got the Seattle Kraken with Shane Wright. So Shane Wright is in a really kind of an awkward situation because of the weird rules that they have with the AHL and the OHL and the juniors and stuff. You have to be of a certain age before you can play in the OHL, AHL and stuff. And Shane Wright, 
really shouldn't be like he was he's not quite NHL ready but he wasn't quite like he didn't need to be in juniors anymore he needed to play in the I I don't remember if it's the OHL or the AHL that they wanted him in but he could be ready here for an NHL I don't think he's going to be ready for a breakout so this is kind of me disagreeing with the hockey guy I don't think he's going to break out for shit this year quite honestly I think he's going to need another year of development before he breaks out he only got into eight games last year I feel like he's probably only going to get into those eight games again this season because they're going to want to send him back down before they burn like another year or something like that. But in those eight games, he put up one goal and one assist, two points. I believe that one goal came against the Montreal Canadiens, which was fucking awesome. I still believe in Shane Wright. I'm not calling him a bust or anything. I just think he's going to need a little bit more time. And when it comes to prospects, the third year is generally the year you're going to see something out of them, especially the forwards. And I just don't think Shane Wright, the way that uh, he he just kind of had a really rocky start to his career with the whole falling down to four. So I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, didn't break out this season. So that's kind of me disagreeing with uh, the hockey guy right there. But he was trying to pull from all 32 teams, which is a challenge. There's there's not necessarily a great pick from every single team. But we'll move on to the Los Angeles Kings. And we got Quinton Byfield, who... In 53 games last year, 3 goals, 19 assists, 22 points. I know that's not the most eye-popping numbers right there, but I believe he's going into his third NHL season, and I think this is going to be the year we see him break out for 50-plus points. He played great, especially the back half of the last year, where I feel like he definitely just got more NHL comfortable. He healed up pretty good. I feel like he was dealing with some injuries there over the last little bit and people have definitely fallen off with Quinton Byfield former second overall pick I do believe and yeah just because he doesn't come in and light up the NHL league right away because I feel like us as NHL fans got a little bit spoiled there with Matthews and McDavid coming in and instantly just dominating the league and whatnot and it takes it doesn't not every player can just come into the league and dominates. A lot of them, it takes a little bit of time. So I think it's almost, I think it's time. I don't think it's almost time. I think it is time for Quinton Byfield to break out this year. And the good thing is, I think maybe he was having a little bit of a hard time adjusting to center. So I would see, I could see him going to the wing this year, especially now. The The Kings center depth is out of fucking control with Kopitar, Dubois, and Deneau. So I really can't see them putting Byfield fourth line center. So I feel like they're going to transition him to the wing. They really don't need him at center anymore. They can He could still be a winger and a center. There's, there's no problem having extra centers on your team. But if he can crack into that top six this year, play on the wing, I feel like his playmaking ability is really, really good. I think he's a really, really smart player. So it's only a matter of time before it just clicks for this player. I think this is going to be the year that we see Quinton Byfield bust out for the Los Angeles Kings. And then we have, let's see, what other names are extremely interesting to me? So he has Trevor Zegras on the board. And some people might say, hey, wait a minute, Trevor Zegras, he's already kind of broken out into the NHL. Well, I think... Yes, I mean, last year, 81 games, 23 goals, 42 assists, 65 points. Nothing wrong with that, but I think Zegras and the hockey guy also believes that Zegras is capable of more, and I 100% agree with that. I feel like 65 points 
for a player of Zegris's skill, like, this guy is so fucking talented, man. He is so talented. We've all seen the Michigan goals, the Dishigan goal that he's been doing over there. And I feel like it's only a matter of time once the other younger players start to come along with Anaheim. They start to build up that team. I feel like Zegris should be a point-a-game player once the Anaheim Ducks start to come up with him. Troy Terry's been a good little partner for for him. And they also need to get those two signed, right? Like, Zegris is still not signed, nor is uh, Troy Terry. So I feel like they're just kind of taking their time with that. They don't want to overpay and kind of get themselves into a Toronto Maple Leaf situation where you're overpaying your superstars. And it's going to be really, really difficult for you to build a team around them that's going to be championship-worthy. So they're probably trying to convince them, like, hey, look at Montreal over here. They're doing the right thing. Look at Detroit. They're doing the right thing. And pretty much every other team. So I'm not I'm not really worried. They have so much money. I don't think it's uh, really a problem. I think it's, they're just taking their time with those deals. But Trevor Zegers, I feel like, should be a point-a-game player in the league. And I feel like it's only a matter of time. So why not this season? I feel like Zegers could break out. He should be getting more goals than 23 goals. I was a little bit like, oh, I thought he was a... Th- I thought he broke 30 this year, but... I think he should be a 30-plus goal scorer on that team. So this year could be it for him. And then you have Lundell, who I mistaked for... Uh, I mistaked him with Lusterinen. But Lundell, he's the one that people are calling, like, mini Barkov. You know what I'm saying? But last year, 73 games, 12 goals, 21 assists, 33 points. I feel like he is... He's going to break out. I think he's capable of doing 60-plus points if he can get a bigger role on the team, which, I mean, you know, they're losing a couple pieces here and there. You could be looking at, and even last year was a little bit of a shaky season for the Panthers. Obviously, they just barely made it into the playoffs, but I feel like now they got very, very comfortable with Paul Maurice, and I feel like everyone's just going to be a lot better for the Panthers this season once they get all healthy and everything. That eh, that could be a little shaky, but we'll see. I mean, I counted out the Bruins last year, and maybe I shouldn't count out teams because of injuries. I mean, other players are capable of stepping up, and I think that Lundell is going to step up, man. I can see this guy getting 20 goals, and like, 30, 40 assists, somewhere in and around there. I really like Lundell. He's a really good player. Oh, 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 Owen freaking power, man. Buffalo Sabres. So, uh, he had a great fucking rookie season, man. 79 games, four goals, 31 assists, 35 points. And, yeah, for a first, first season out of a defenseman, I think he's still only 18 when he played last year outstanding like I had him pin for a Calder nomination for sure didn't think he would win but wow uh he's really good man and I think he's just going to keep getting better I don't think he's going to break out for like what he's going to get to at his peak but I think he's definitely going to take a step forward his defense is going to take another step forward and I just think that offense is going to sneakily start climbing up probably by like 8 to 12 points each season and I feel you could start seeing I don't think power is going to get to that double digit and goals this season but I think once he hits his peak he's going to be like a 60 plus point guy 10 plus goals and he's going to complement that Darlene I don't know if they're going to play together but I think that one two combo oh my goodness Owen Power, I can see him hitting like 45. He might be able to hit that 50 point. Kind of depends on how Buffalo comes along this season. If they take that next step, Owen Power is going to have to be taking that next step as well. But I get nervous for 
defensemen, especially in their sophomore year. We saw it with Marit Sider last year. He had a fantastic rookie season. He was fucking uh, leading the charge for Detroit. He was running everything in the offense, defense, and then last season, teams got aware of that, and they started keying in on him a lot more. So they don't really have that problem there in Buffalo. They have Darlene, which, you know, there's there's a lot of focus already going on him. There's a lot of focus going on Tage Thompson. So maybe Power could sneak in there and get a few more points this year, but I would imagine as the years go along, teams are going to be more aware of what Owen Power is good at and what he's not good at, but we'll see. I really believe in Owen Power. I, I feel like people, they're not really hard on him, but when a player doesn't come in and put up like 60 points right away, even as a defenseman, they're like, oh, I don't know about this player. And then speaking of, I don't know about this player, you got Slavkoski out of Montreal. So he had the injury-riddled season, only got into 39 games last year, four goals, six assists, 10 points. I think it's safe to say as long as he doesn't have any major injury this season, he is going to step those numbers up quite a bit. I don't think he's going to hit like that 50 points just yet, but I think you can see a solid 35 to 45 points out of Slavkoski this year. And in terms of goals, I don't know if he's going to hit like 20 goals just yet, but who knows, right? Who knows? But we haven't quite, there's not enough um, uh, track record just yet out of Slavkoski for me to think that he's going to be a bust. There's already, of course, with any player freaking getting drafted there, even before they get drafted, people are going to label them as a bust. There's already the, oh, Connor Bedard's going to be a bust talk and so on and so forth. But uh, with Slavkoski, there's a little bit more pressure because of the Shane Wright thing. But I think Slavkoski is going to be a fine player. He's just going to have to find his way. You know, he didn't, uh, he played over in Europe and stuff. So it might be a little bit more time before he gets extremely comfortable with the team and being in a whole different country and everything. But Slavkoski, I think it's safe to say he is going to do much better than 10 points. And and because, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs and stuff, he, uh, the hockey guy picked Lilligren. Uh, I'm not going to pick Lilligren. I'll talk about Robertson. Uh, because, God, I just want it so bad. I want it more than anything for him to succeed and get into the NHL because he has had so many unfortunate setbacks with COVID just kind of fucking up his whole development and then the consistent amount of injuries. And then you see his brother over there in Dallas just putting up 100-plus point seasons. Now, I don't think that Nick Robertson is going to necessarily become that player, but I want him to become an NHL player because, goddamn, that I just I want that, and I think the Leafs really want that and kind of need that out of him this season. So really hoping that Robertson can find his way with the Toronto Maple Leafs this year. I got Cole Perfetti on Winnipeg. Really like this player. I mean, mostly because of how good he's been in the NHL games. I used to pick him up all the time. Fairly cheap out of Winnipeg, and he would consistently become a fantastic elite top-line center. And I feel like this year it could be very fortunate for Mr. Perfetti because now that Dubois is out there, there's a spot open for someone to take over on this team. And if they decide that they're going to get rid of Mark Shifley as well, it could be time for the young guys to take over this Winnipeg team. And Colt Perfetti is going to be at the head of that. 51 games last year, 8 goals, 22 assists, 30 points. I don't think that's bad at all. We're just looking for that next step. And I think this could be the year for him with a nice shift there in Winnipeg, which 
We don't necessarily quite know if it's done yet. You still got Hellebuck sitting there and Shifley, of course. So, I don't know. I feel like Cole Perfetti could be rejuvenated with a, a new, bigger role on this team. So, I'm really hoping for him. And speaking of players I'm really hoping for, Marco Rossi with the Minnesota Wild. So, last year... He only got into 19 games and only got one assist in those 19 games. So Minnesota is definitely going to be wanting a improvement over that. Last year for him was just a disaster, apparently. I can't say that I was watching him, but they're going to want Marco Rossi to do something in the lines of what... Oh, what's that other young player that they just re-signed? Anyway, his name... Uh, oh. It's gone. I don't have it right now. But Marco Rossi, especially with the way that Minnesota is dealing with that very, very tight salary cap with the buyouts of of Zach Parise and Suter, they're going to need these entry-level deal guys to really step up and find their way. And I'm really hoping for the player, especially just how disastrous that 19 games one point, you're going to want him to find his confidence again and really hoping that he can. And hopefully that Minnesota can as well. I want them to stay competitive. I really like that team, man. I just like that they're underdogs. They're battling. They're taking heavy chances. And yeah, I hope that Marco Rossi can find his way. Then you got Nashville with Thomas Sino. Kind of a player you don't hear a whole lot about. But again, you got a really big shift here in Nashville with Duchesne and Johansson. Johnson? Johansson? Johansson? We'll go with Johansson. They're both gone. So those are two top six players. And Tomasino in 31 games, five goals, 31, or not 31, 31 games, five goals, 13 assists, 18 points. So not bad. You give this guy a bigger role on the team. He's a pretty damn talented player. I could see him busting out for some, I don't know, I don't want to say like 50 plus points, but I think he's going to get, I don't know, man, 20 Almost 20 points in in 30 games, so why not? I could see Tomasino on a bigger role with the Nashville Predators this year. I could see this guy getting 50-plus points this year, so watch out for Tomasino. And then Colorado, you got Boehm Byram, baby. 42 games last year, he put up 10 goals in those 42 games. So this guy's got a shot, man. He's got a very, very laser beam shot. I really like his shooting ability. Only the 14 assists, 24 points total. But obviously the thing behind Bone Byram is his injury history. If this kid can stay healthy this year, watch out, man. He is very, very talented, man. Especially that shooting ability. 10 goals in 42 games. That is nothing to sneeze at. That is a 20-goal pace for a defenseman. That's huge. Like, hitting double digits as a defenseman, that's impressive. That's very good. He did that in only 42 games. So if he can stay healthy, I can see him hitting like 30 assists, getting to that double-digit goals again. But can he hit 20 goals? I mean, if he gets – just got to stay healthy. So I'm really, really hoping for Bone Byram because, fuck, man, Bone Byram and Makar, like, oh, that is just going to be disgusting. Absolutely yucky. And all right, what team should we talk about next? Let's talk about Dallas. You got Wyatt Johnson in 82 games. He put up 24 goals, 17 assists, 41 points. So some people feel like that he kind of got snubbed in the Calder uh, voting because, I mean, 24 goals is quite impressive for your first season. And I feel like he could potentially maybe even be a 30-goal scorer this year for Dallas. They look very poised to be a very competitive team this year and I feel like he should easily be able to bring up that 17 assist number so I could see him fuck man he already had 41 points I could see him getting to possibly 60 this year he's a very good player 
He kind of goes under the radar a little bit there in Dallas, but watch out for Wyatt Johnson, man. You better watch him for those uh, fantasy radars. You might be able to pick him up really late and really cheap, and you can get possibly a 30-plus goal scorer right there late in the draft. So watch out for that guy. Then you got the New York I, or New York Rangers. You can take your pick between Lafreniere or Capo Caco. He picked Caco, so I'll talk about Lafreniere. So the first overall pick still hasn't quite gotten to that first overall pick level right yet and people are starting to fade off on Lafreniere because he did have quite a lot of hype coming in he was uh not to that level of Matthews or McDavid but he was up there man not even not even Bedard he wasn't up there either but he was he was up there man he had quite a lot of hype coming behind him it's just he hasn't quite like he's shown the flashes you know the talent is there he scored a, some really fucking nice goals and sometimes when that kid line is going with Heedle and Kako it looks really really good I just feel like they need to pull the trigger with these guys and give them the minutes give them the power play time but you got too many other big forwards there like you got Kreider and Zabinajad and Panarin bread like you can't take away uh their top line peepee so I don't know if you're going to see Lafreniere break out for like that point of game player, but I'm really hoping we can see at least 60, 65 points out of him this season. At least the good thing with Kako is that he has developed into a really nice two-way forward. So at least when he's not putting up points, he's strong defensively. Can't really quite say that yet about Lafreniere, but I haven't really heard any complaints about that. So Rangers fans, and I imagine... Well, not everyone around the league because, you know, there's those sick puppies that that cheer for people to fail. But, you know, I imagine the Rangers fans are really hoping for one of or both uh, Kako and Lafreniere to break out for 55 plus points each or potentially Lafreniere breaking out to be that first overall guy and become an 80 plus point player. That would be really fun to see. I would love that. That would be awesome. And then let's do uh, Kent Janssen in Columbus because I was all about this kid last year. I still think he had a solid season, 79 games, 16 goals, 24 assists, 40 points. I mean, considering the pure disaster that was Columbus last season, I don't think that's all that bad. I might have overhyped him a little bit there. I thought he would maybe connect really well with Joni Goudreau, but don't think it was time for him quite yet to get onto that top line. And now you got the new shiny toy in... Um, Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. What's his name? Leo Carlson and Fantilli. So you got Fantilli there now. So maybe the spotlight is going to be all over um, him. And then you can have Janssen maybe step up a little bit. I don't know how much more. Like, I don't think he's quite ready for like 65 plus points. But I can see him hitting into those 50, 55 plus points this season. So that would be really good for him. Uh, Seth Jarvis over there in Carolina. I mean, this one always kind of had my eye on this player because that was the Toronto Maple Leafs first round pick that ended up becoming Seth Jarvis. And I'm just kind of waiting for him to bust out and, you know, be that that thing that kicks the Leaf fans in the ass. Like, oh, you shouldn't have traded away. And it's not that we're not kicking our asses now. He's a pretty solid player. 82 games last year, 14 goals, 25 assists, 39 points. I mean, he's not fucking destroying the world or anything but again he is playing for Carolina players tend to be a little bit more defensively minded and don't put up uh, necessarily the points that they may be capable of on other teams so maybe Seth Jarvis is a 50 
60-point player on an offensively-minded team. But I think he's capable of more than that. I think we could see him bust out for the 20-plus goal season this year and hit that 50-55 points. And I imagine Carolina is really going to be looking for that, too. He's shown flashes of it. He's definitely looked hot at points, but he hasn't quite gotten that consistency yet. And that's going to come with time. So this could be the year for Seth Jarvis. And I think I'll do one more just because I like this player quite a bit, and so does the hockey guy. Mr. Oliver Wallstrom out of the New York Islanders. God, I I just want him to bust out and just get 30 goals this year. Just fucking do it. He's got the talent. 35 games last year, 7 goals, 9 assists, 15 points. I know that doesn't, you know, scream that he's got it, but I've been hearing it from the hockey guy ever since this player got drafted that he has got a fantastic shot. And if he just maybe wasn't in the Islander system where, again, similar to Carolina, they're a little bit more focused on the offensive game. But maybe this year, some of the old guys step down a little bit. They bring up some of the younger guys. If Wallstrom could hook up with Barzal or something, maybe there's some magic that can happen. I am hoping. I feel like this is the last chance for Wallstrom. If he doesn't break out, become that 20-goal guy, I'm hoping for 30 just because that would be a lot of fun. I don't know why, but it would be. I like the player, so I'm hoping that he can break out this season. So I think that's all the players I want to talk about right here. If you want to, I highly recommend you go check out the whole entire list that the hockey guy had on his YouTube channel and just, you know, be on that. Check out that YouTube channel, man. It is my go-to spot for all my news and stuff. He is the most just well-balanced hockey guy you know what i'm saying so check him out if you don't know him already but uh yeah check out that video i i was very very impressed that he was able to pull a player from each team Uh, i can't necessarily say that i could talk strongly about every single pick but i picked the ones that really spoke to me and i'm really hoping that all those players like every player on the board fuck it i want them to be successful that just means more goals and more scoring for the league which is great i just i like the way that the league has been going in terms of scoring some other things like the rules and the referees and playoffs and all that other shit not so great but maybe one day this nhl will get respectable and all that great stuff so i think that's going to be it for me everybody for today thank you so much for listening you guys are awesome you can go back and check out any of the prior episodes just this past week we hit episode 50 on the GX GamerCast, and I went back in time, pulled out an old Sega Saturn game from my past. I shit you not, probably the weirdest game I have ever played. And that game was Lunacy. So if that game rings a bell to you, or even if it doesn't, go over there and check it out. It is a fucking strange game, and it's a strange episode. So please go over there and check it out. And any of the prior 49 GX GamerCasts, they're all over there. You can listen to them anytime on all your favorite streaming platforms and all that stuff. And they're even going up on YouTube now. I don't have all the episodes up, but all the ones that have been going up over the last, like, three or four weeks or so have been going up onto the YouTube channel, so you can check out the link for that down below. I have cur- I'm have i currently taking a break from doing Let's Plays and just it's too fucking hot. <laughs> I'm too busy, and I got a lot on my plate right now. So I'm just taking a little break from the YouTube uh, Let's Plays right now. But when I'm going to start up Batman again, I will let everybody know, and that will be a lot of fun. And we'll be back again on the weekend with the WrestleCast. I believe this week I feel good I should be able to get Collision in there. Uh, last week I had to skip Collision. Had a family thing to get to, so that was just much more important than watching Collision. So... Yeah, there's that. So we'll be doing the WrestleCast 
and all that great stuff. This upcoming GX GamerCast is going to be talking about an indie game from Supergiant, and that game is Pyre. So I'm going to be reviewing that game this upcoming GX GamerCast. So be on the lookout for that. Should be dropping next Tuesday. And yes, thank you again, everybody, for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hopefully it's going well. Hopefully this podcast gets you through whatever you're doing, the monotony of work or or chores or anything like that, or you're just chilling, enjoying a nice hot sunny day. Thank you for listening. You're awesome. And we'll be back again with more GX Plus Cased.